You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 71 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Dana Henschel, the Outreach Coordinator for Take Us McGinnis Elder Care Law. And today we are speaking with founding partner and certified elder law attorney, Tim Takis, and our public benefit specialist specializing in Medicare, Josh Hunter. Welcome. Thank you, Dana. Uh, Hi, as an outreach coordinator and as one of the intake specialists here, I speak with a variety of people and there are some common myths and misunderstandings about the way Medicare works, especially when it comes to benefits. Um, One of the main ones that I hear here and in the community is that Medicare will cover long-term care either in an assisted living or in a nursing home. Can you speak to that? Sure, I can. Uh, Dana, um, what Medicare is, fundamentally, Medicare pays for health care. It is uh, essentially America's health care insurance program for older people and people who are on disability, like Social Security disability. So, so ultimately, um, as far as for payment of health care, for long-term care, for, for basic nursing home care, or assisted living care, or sometimes it's referred to as custodial care, uh, Medicare does not pay for those services. Okay. So when will um, Medicare pay for those services? Because I know sometimes when people uh, leave the hospital for rehab and they're in a skilled nursing facility, Medicare pays. You're exactly right, Dana. And I think you hit the key phrase right there that I believe most of the population doesn't quite understand or they don't know the difference. So skilled nursing care is a Medicare benefit, right? It's for a therapy or rehabilitation purpose rather than long-term care. It's to help you get over a particular injury or issue or live with it rather than just having a place to live. Right. Um, and in those particular moments when that comes up, you have to qualify for skilled nursing care. And that involves having three midnights in a hospitalization regarding a particular you know, injury or event that will require rehabilitation care. Yeah. And, and I think and I think most requirements. Yeah. And, and I think most people probably realize that if you're on, if you're on Medicare uh, and you go to the hospital, you know, and you're admitted as a as a patient to the hospital, uh, then um you know, then Medicare will pay uh, the, the hospital benefit. That's really like basically a, it's, it's like, me, it's called Medicare Part A. There's a hospital benefit, you know, and, and there's some criteria for eligibility, but, 
you know, which we really don't need to get into the weeds on right now. But ultimately, I think people know that, okay, I'm in the hospital, maybe there is a deductible that I have to pay, in other words, like a copayment or deductible. And a lot of people will have a Medicare supplemental insurance policy that covers those deductibles. And I know I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that we've done a podcast on, on Medicare supplemental insurance. Uh, but for this purpose, you're in the hospital, Medicare's paying, uh, and once you're in the hospital, you know, then Medicare and the hospital go, all right, well, you need to get discharged to a skilled nursing facility, you know, and as Joshua says, you know, as long as you, as long as you spend three days or three nights or whatever in the hospital, you're in, you know, now you're in a skilled nursing facility, you know, and then you're entitled to uh, rehab, you know, therapy. I would be careful going too too deep down down that road, Tim. There's a yeah. particular phrase we missed. So yes, we did. Just having three nights in the facility doesn't quite cover it. That's right. There, there's a difference in between what's known as being in having inpatient care mm-hmm. or being under observation status within a hospital. Right. And as much as it seems to go against what you would normally think, it's not just did you stay the night or not. You can stay several days and not be inpatient. You could still be under observation status. Yes. So, so literally, that, literally, you have not been admitted as a patient to that hospital. Right. You're, you're still just sort of, I guess, in, in some ways, maybe like no man's land or something like that or whatever it is. But How would a family know the difference? Because I would assume if my loved one was spending the night in the hospital that they are, in fact, in the hospital as a patient. That's right. That's what most people assume. And sadly, that's how we run into some of these billing issues is because it's just not safe to make that assumption. But the question was, how do we figure it out? Well, there are two methods. The easiest and most prudent method would be to simply ask and ask regularly. You know, if we're still in inpatient status today, are we going to be inpatient tomorrow or are we still observation you know, it's good if you have somebody advocating. I understand that that's rather difficult for people who don't necessarily have family members involved while they're in the hospital. But thankfully, Medicare realized this was a problem around 2016, 2015, mm. and passed what's known as the Moon Notice. That's the Medicare Outpatient Observation Notice. And what that's supposed to help you do, I think it's also kind of a cute name given that you have to have those three midnights of being inpatient, but it's supposed to help families get that awareness of, okay, mom's only been here for four days, but maybe only two of those days were actually inpatient, so we do not qualify for skilled care right now. And that gives you an opportunity to advocate for your family member or your loved one You can advocate an appeal to try to see if we want to get this pushed into being inpatient status for the three days, or maybe push for that individual to stay inpatient one more day if they're really going to need this, you know, skilled nursing rehabilitation time. Mm -hmm. So, Joshua, what what happens if uh, the hospital doesn't give the moon notice? Well, technically, they're supposed to get in trouble, but on the functional side, I've seen that happen a few times And that's why we always taught when I was with the SHIP program that it's just better to ask. You know, if if an individual is conscious, that individual can ask about their status on their own. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a family member there, the family member can really press to get the direct answers. 
Um, that's I honestly think that's better than depending on the moon notice. It is, yeah, and I think certainly I think all of us would agree that it's really like being a smart consumer of uh, healthcare services. Yes, yes, sir, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. So, so once a family has determined that they have qualified for rehab because of the three days uh, inpatient um, and they go to the skilled nursing facility, um, are they guaranteed 20 days? Or I've also spoken to some families, especially when I worked in assisted living, whose loved one had just gone to the rehab and they thought, well, she's got 100 days. We have 100 days to decide where she goes next. Yeah, I've heard that a lot too, Dana. And, yeah. and sadly, no. No, that's not how it works. The way the benefit is set up is, yes, you have this potential for 20 days that are going to be covered under your Medicare, and then up to 100 days of skilled care as that is needed and warranted, but that has to be needed, and it has to have a good explanation behind why you need it. You might only get 10 days. You might only get 15 days, or you might have somebody who has 25 or any, any variation thereof. But the individual has to meet the qualifications for rehab care, for therapy. Um, and this is actually, we, we stumble into one of the biggest myths with Medicare in general right now, is that people believe you have to be improving to qualify for therapy. And there was a time where that was true, but we're no longer in that time. Uh, technically, you only have to you know, be in a position where the therapy keeps you from declining. And that's a very important turning point for advocating for your loved ones and your family members to understand if they're not improving, they may still qualify for therapy if stopping therapy would make them decline. That's a change of mindset. And there's a lot of professionals, particularly those who have been in the game for a long time, who haven't really accepted that rule change and may not know it exists while trying to discharge your loved ones from therapy care or triggering long-term care expenses too early, which can be a really costly transfer for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, and and here's really the, I think the rub here, and and because we're let, let's not, and I know Josh was not doing this. Let's not blame the providers for this. Oh yes, because a lot of times, you know what what they what they get concerned about is is that. Um, you know, they are, you know, they get maybe mixed messages from the federal government or from Medicare because they say, well, the safest course, some, or they, the safest course for them sometimes is, well, if I, if I discharge uh, this, this patient uh, because they're not improving, what's the worst that can happen to them? You know, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the patient come, has to come back and do a readmission. You know, but if but if Medicare says, well, we're not going to cover this stay because this resident was not should not have been there, you know, then uh, skilled nursing facility care is costly, you know, and so the a lot of times these providers are worried that they're going to have to eat that because that person was not supposed to be there. You're now, right. You're right. And sometimes you have to help the provider figure out a way to continue to build this appropriately. You know. Advocating it for is. your family member sometimes is also advocating for your provider when they don't understand some of these intricacies. You know, yes. that's where we can step in as a group and say, hey, provider, 
I understand you think this is how the rule works, but if we submit something a little differently, you can continue to receive this payment in an easier method. The individual will receive optimal care. And furthermore, Medicare will not penalize you when right. this person has to come back. Right. Because healthcare, also ultimately, healthcare services, you know, the provider and the patient, it's a partnership. Yes, sir. I think you're exactly right. And that's a good way to view it. It's a partnership not only between Medicare and the provider, but between you, your family, Medicare and the provider. Exactly. You know, we're trying to all achieve the same goal same. for the individual. Of course, the providers want to get paid and, and, you know, give the best care they possibly can. And it, it takes a team. Right. Mm-hmm. I think um, some other points of confusion or or things that are hard to keep track of, if mom or dad, if they're in and out of the hospital, they're in and out of rehab through the course of a year, um, how, how do those 100 days fit into that? I mean, can you go over your 100 days within that annual period? Uh, well, that's an interesting way to phrase it, and that's stepping into a conversation about Medicare's benefit periods. And I believe personally that's one of the most confusing elements for Medicare beneficiaries who don't deal with this stuff every day. A benefit period starts when you start needing inpatient care or your Part A benefit. And typically we'll hear people discuss, oh, you know, I have to pay my Part A deductible or something along those lines. But the interesting part of that is how do Medicare benefits periods change and renew? which is what you were getting at, Dana. What happens if you run out of your 100 days? What are you going to do? So a Medicare benefit will reset, a Medicare benefit Part A will reset once an individual has been out of their Part A benefit usage for 61 days. And it's, it's awfully specific. You need 60 full days of not using that inpatient benefit for it to reset. So if somebody went into care in January, and then they needed to, you know, let's say stay until they were, you know, in the middle of February. Well, we need to wait a full 60 days from the time they leave for it to start a new benefit period, not the time in which it started. And that confuses people a lot. And then sometimes people who are particularly sick have a hard time letting that benefit period reset. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Josh, um, tell us a little bit about Medicare Advantage. Are the, are the benefit periods different? No, the benefit periods functionally work the same way with Medicare Advantage. It's still your Part A and Part B benefits that are guaranteed, um, regardless of how you choose to receive those benefits. Okay. But one thing just from a professional side that we hear often is that Medicare Advantage is just generally well known for being a little tighter on doling out skilled nursing days. Um, I've heard that consistently from my time with the state and from my time here that family members often have to advocate a little harder to get full access to that 100 days. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very crucial that your physician's documentation really be on point. And that's a point of partnership and advocacy between you and the, the physician who's providing care. Because those notes, the doctor's notes, will be what determine if that person mm. is still eligible for therapy level care. Yeah, because I, I do want to stress here is is you know it's called you know the, it's called Medicare Advantage or an MA plan is what some people refer to it as you know and you know and obviously uh, the federal government is thinking that well 
there's an advantage to being, you know, to, to, to being in a Medicare Advantage plan, which is Medicare, um, Medicare, basically Medicare managed care. So I'm sure that there will be some of our listeners out there that are thinking, well, I'm in a, I'm in a Medicare Advantage plan, so, so none of these things uh, apply to me because I get gym memberships and, you know, and I get all this other stuff. But at the same time, I think what you're, th- I think the, the takeaway here really is, is that when it comes down to, you know, the levels of services that we're talking about, you know, inpatient hospital, inpatient skilled nursing facility care, fundamentally the benefits periods are the same. That's right. We're still talking about an individual who is a Medicare beneficiary and falls under the main Medicare rules, regardless of which path they choose to receive their care. Be that through an Advantage plan or original Medicare, we're functionally talking about the same thing. Right. You know, and certainly uh, I would say, too, is for those of us, uh, those of our readers or our listeners who are, you know, in a Medicare Advantage plan, if they get into the situation, you know, then it's incumbent or really it's important for them to contact their Medicare Advantage plan to make sure that they understand what the benefits periods are. That's good advice. Yes, sir. Right. And you may or may not have the answer to this, but when when we talk to people, a lot of times they are in that constant state where they're in and out of the hospital and they may not make it to this through the 61 day wait. Um, What happens then? Well, there is a, a batch of lifetime reserve days that an individual can tip into once they've exceeded that 100-day period, but lifetime reserve days are just that. They don't reset with benefit periods. They're only for a certain amount of time, and that, that can cause issues, too, for these people who are stuck in kind of a cyclical in-and-out-of-the-hospital situation. Uh, but if, let's say, an individual is fully out of their days, and they're stuck in the same benefit period, that's how we will sometimes see people transition to outpatient therapy under their Part B benefit while paying for long-term care in a facility. So it's a very expensive problem because you're still in this facility. You're having to do some interesting maneuver to get your therapy needs, but now you're paying long-term care expense charges while you're there, as if you were a nursing home resident, potentially, um, and you may not qualify for care yet. So it can be uh, quite a problematic situation, and we have at least two clients at the moment who are dealing with this type of thing. It, it does happen. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is kind of out there on their own, um, who do they contact to kind of be guided through this process? It sounds really complicated. It is very complicated, and you'll need to talk to somebody who has a broad understanding of Medicare and who is able to sit down and talk to you about your unique situation. Um, This is one of the few times I would blatantly suggest um, probably not working with an insurance agent, but going to somebody like the SHIP program. That's the State Health Insurance Assistance Program for somebody who has a really vast understanding and has connections with Medicare themselves in case you need to get on the phone with Medicare and really hash this out. 
Um, Or somebody like us who is in the private sector, uh, works with an elder law attorney and deals, you know, heavily with Medicare. And then again, has those connections at the federal level to figure out what's going on with you, what dates you've been using these benefits and hopefully when your benefits would reset, uh, how much of that hundred days have you used, those type of questions. Okay. Wow. Lots of great information. Before we wrap it up, do y'all have any other tips or items to add? Well, the first thing that, the, that comes to my mind and probably the most important thing is as you're working through this, please don't try to do it alone. Um, having somebody help you really map this out and understand the timeline is going to be crucial for maximizing this benefit and to really help you understand what's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you've been and you don't know what's happening with your benefit period, this can really sneak up and bite you. So get help. Right. Okay. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 